Welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Steve, your host. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This podcast is about how to be a better you. Sometimes we interview a variety of people to help you to look at things from a different perspective. Sometimes I talk with my co-host, Keith Brown, who is a Marine veteran and theologian. Together with a therapeutic view or a theologian point of view, we try to give you fresh ideas how to look at things in a different perspective. Keith, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a couple of minutes anyways. We've had some great podcasts in the past. You and I haven't done one in a while and just want to kind of check in to talk about anxiety and fear today. It's a great day for talking about it because I'm struggling with it. <laughs> ah, struggling which one, anxiety or fear or both? So yeah, with my military stuff, I'm actually struggling with both of them. Got it. Yeah. Yep. When I talk to my clients in therapy, we talk about anxiety. Uh, a lot of it has to do with our thought processes and you being a minister should know this passage that I'm fixing to talk about. It talks about capturing every thought and making it obedient to Christ, but I take the Christ out and substitute truth. We're not changing it. Uh, it still says, capture every thought, make it captive to the truth. Now, here's the question. How often uh, do you feel like I'm no good or I feel worthless? So there's, you know, there's a, a lot of temptation, you know, in my life to look at that or consider that almost on a daily basis. I think one of the points I'd like to make on that, Steve, is I think people look at like psychologists and they look at, you know, pastors, they look at life coaches and they look at counselors and they say, hey, they got everything together in their life. <laughs> and, you know, uh, probably nothing's further from the truth. And in fact, I think sometimes we do these things because we want other people to be blessed and maybe on on the journey, we can help not only others, but even ourselves. No, I understand, Keith. And, and, and in fact, uh, I'm in school getting going back to get my doctorate's degree. And one of the things that this past week weekend was really rough on me. I'm taking two. Actually, I'm taking one course called uh, how to teach adults. And this class ended today. Well, my statistics class started last Monday. The class that I'm finishing up on today, I have to do a 15 page research paper on a curriculum of how to teach. I have so much more respect for teachers, even though my family has five of them in, in our family of teachers. So I always got that teacher's voice. Right. So I was well prepared going into school, you know, but then the stats class, we have a, a test and a, a 700 word essay. And the tough part is this essay. The original instructions was 300 words. Ugh, that's tough. But this professor wants 600. But he doesn't want us to do the minimum. He says, I will grade you harder if you have just the minimum. And I'm thinking. I just spent 36 hours, part of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to get this accomplished. 
not knowing what I'm doing, I'm like, okay, I got my research in my curriculum homework in three hours. The professor graded this. I'm like, okay, Steve, here we go. I don't understand why I'm so hard on myself and I figured it out. I believe we get hard on ourselves when we're stressed and we're tired. Yeah, definitely. You know, we tend to beat ourselves up a little bit more when we are tired. When I started realizing I made a, an A, 194 out of 200. And it's like, okay, Steve, how come you doubted yourself? It's because it's that unknown. Everybody has that unknown, but the key to, to manage, notice I didn't say control, because when we control, we become reactive to the situation. And we try to force to have an answer. So when I talk about control, I related to a firefighter who is reactive to the fire to put it out. But if we manage with intent and purpose, I like to think of it as a forest firefighter. He manages the fire, but also removes the sources that fuel the fire. Right. So right. We, we have to manage our thought processes. And so I thought, you know what? I learned a great lesson. And then it comes down to my statistics. And I'm like, this professor is harsh. 600 words when I could be doing 300. But then it's like, I thought about, you know what? Maybe I need to go switch a professor because it's hard. And I said, Steve, no, <laughs> it's hard. Yes. Stay with it. Right. I'm, that's, that's right. Right there. That's what, that's the hard decision is often the better decision. Well, I looked at it this way, Keith, is that just because it's hard and I don't like the pain because who does, but we all have to have that struggle in pain because I know it's going to be better for me. I have a dissertation that's going to come up next year that I need to start working on to finish my doctoral degree. Hey, I'm and excited for you. I, I'm excited. And that way you can call me Doc Steve. That's right. the goal, right? But it's, it's learning that I have to confident in myself, my abilities, understand with new learning, the unknown. I have to realize that I have to have struggles and pain to grow. Oh yeah. So it goes back to that original question that how often do we feel like we're worthless, not enough. And we have to take that thought captive. Now, when you think about captive, what does captive mean to you? Something that is brought into a certain either spiritual or physical framework that either you have been brought captive or you have brought something captive and it's something in a confined space, some place where you, it's contemplated within a confined time and space okay and and you're thinking i think sometimes we logical thinkers we overcomplicate things mm -hmm. and i and i get that sometimes uh with a lot of my clients that i see that we we complicate things by how we think what if we just simplify captive of uh, what's a zoo a zoo yes it's a place where we capture animals to do what to observe their behavior and natural habitat for a zoo, we're going to capture a thought in our mind that we're not enough, we're not good enough, we're worthless. 
we're going to capture this thought. Now, here's the other thing. What's it mean to make something obedient? Usually there's going to be some training involved. There's going to be a level of intimacy where you're familiar with it. And rather than letting it do what it wants to do, you train it to perform, act, conduct itself in a way that is good for itself and good for others around around it, whatever it might be. Think about obedient. I think about my dog, Aries. I call him Aries because he's a half German Shepherd, half Husky. He has one blue eye, one brown eye. And I call him Aries because it seems like his eyes are at war. I can point my finger up and he'll sit and I don't have to say a word. I point right. my finger down and he lays down and I don't have to say a word. Yep, exactly. Milo's like that. Yeah. And if I do scissors with my fingers, he whispers. I taught him how to use an inside bark by doing the scissors, by making him obedient, by giving him reward when he does something that I'm expecting him, that I want him to do. Right. So, so same thing with our thoughts, right? We want to make them obedient to the truth. The only truth that I know is the man upstairs. A lot of people don't believe them and that's okay, but we got to find what truth is. What's, what's actually, you're, you're, hitting, you're hitting on something that's profound there. Truth is truth. Whether you think it came from God or whether it came from your dad or it came from the boss or it came from your spouse, truth is truth and it stands on its own. You don't have to force it saying it came from here, it came from there. Truth stands on its own. And the test is give it a try. As a rule, it'll prove itself to actually be true. And in and, and today's culture, we're struggling with what's true right now. You know, there our medical community is not together. And, and one of the things that I'm learning is when a crowd tries to hush another crowd, someone's speaking truth. You have to do some digging to try to find the truth. But when it comes to our thoughts, we have to look at what truth is. And if I say I'm worthless, I'm not good enough. I have to capture it like a zoo. Put it, put it as an animal and watch and beha its behavior and so forth. And then I have to make it obedient. In other words, I need it to test it. J just like a science project, we're, we're going to test the subject to see what it's going to do. I got a question for you on that. Sure. If I say that I'm worthless, what do I become? If that was true about you, what does that say about you? Well, I think that's a, that would be like a self-imposed truth. It's not a truth in the general terms that we were created that way, but it's something we impose on ourselves. And so we can speak a different truth. We could say maybe that I, I do have value or am I far off? No, you, the thing about it is, is that when, when I talk to my clients, one of the things I ask them to do very first thing is who are you? I say, who are you without putting the label that you are a husband, a wife, a firefighter, a nurse, a dad, a mom, who are you without putting these outside labels on you? That's so hard for us to do because we're 
in our culture, you know, work in within our culture, we are cultured to address ourselves and each other from from that vantage point, which is so, actually superficial. Right. And 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 that's why I like Lauren Daigle's song, You Say. I keep fighting these voices in my mind that say I'm not enough, but you say that I am. Ah, the greater truth. Yes, the greater truth. My philosophy in therapy is a little different from a lot of other therapists because I focus on identity first. Because if I could get you to start working on understanding your identity, I do a parallel of being able to work on the past because the way I look at it, there's, there's boundaries that we have to have to protect our identity. When the boundaries are not there, we lose our identity. And underneath the boundary, uh, underneath our identity is the foundation of these messages. So think about as we're growing from birth all the way up to 18 to adulthood, right? Mm -hmm. These messages, whether it's a, a belief system, whether you believe in God or not, what your parents had taught you and how you were brought up, your family members and how they talk to you and the messages they gave to you. Then you have your school and what they taught you. You have your friends growing up. You have your other friends that are there. And so all these messages come at you. Then you get into work, you get into all these other things that come into play. And there's where these, these messages come. And they could come into being a focus here of, you know what? Maybe you're not good enough. Oh, we're, we, now, you, now you're doing that self-fulfilling prophecy. There you go. Because it's the messages, right, that, that we're feeding into. And when you have a, a parent who does not nurture or always has high expectations, it makes that person feel I'm not good enough. I can't live up to your expectation. And the focus shifts off of the possibilities of what can to what cannot be. You're talking about some of this is nurture in that what's interesting is if you're in an environment that says you're not allowed to fail, guess what happens? You fail right. more. If you're in an environment that says it's okay to fail with kind of an expectation to fail forward, but it's okay to fail, but understanding and failing forward, we look at failure differently than we do in the place where you're not allowed to fail. If you're in a place where you're allowed to fail, it's not considered failure as we typically think of failure. It's considered an opportunity to learn and to grow. Failure in one sense is very destructive to us. Failure in the other sense is something that can actually almost edify and build up and equip us uh, through the learning process. So two very different, and, and interestingly, the one where you're not, the, the situation where you're not allowed to fail, people get all tense and fail more. And the other situation where it's okay if you fail, we, we can work through it. People fail less there. It's really, it, it's backwards. Well, the, the thing about it, it all boils down to boundaries. And here, here's where I'm going with, with my explanation, right? If we don't understand the foundation of who we are, 
what happens. We're persuaded to be what we are not. And where I right. go with this is I do parallel type therapy of building you up, but at the same time, removing the junk that's remaining within. Hey, go, go back. You, you hit on something really important. I, and I think you, I think it's in your intention to address it. If you're operating from a position where you're not really sure who you are, that leaves yourself vulnerable to feel somebody else's desire of who they want you to be. And you may find in going through life that a hundred different people have a hundred different expectations from you. And you mentioned boundaries. Boundaries are decimated in that situation. Well, and, and, you, and, you, and, you're, and you're conflicted because you can't please all these different people and you've not even been true to yourself. Right. And, and that's where I'm going with this. I have a, uh, for example, I, I'll, uh, I had a case where this gentleman uh, is a father. His son made a, a, a terrible, huge mistake. And the family members are blaming the dad and saying, you could have done better. You should have been there. You could have done this and that. And so I'm working with him on his identity. Then I'm helping him to understand his boundaries. And then we're talking about this belief system, the foundation underneath his identity here. And I asked him, I said, you, you, this is your second marriage that you're on. How can you be with your son 24 seven? You can't, you have other outside forces that have influenced your son to make the choice that he did. And right. when you have family members blaming you creates that self doubt. And we have to have those boundaries in order to what manage to remove the fuel sources out that feed the fire and say, okay, I did teach him right and wrong. I did do what I could the best that I know how that gave him a sense of strength and realizing that he was there. He did try to do the best. He can't control his son's decisions and choices. And he had other outside influences. Right. And so we have to have boundaries into plays that says that I have to protect my identity it goes back into Proverbs and where he says, protect your heart and what flows from it. And we have to protect yeah. our identity because if we don't, all these boundaries come into place and they fall and they're not there. All these messages from our past and present and future are going to have an effect on who we are. I'm struggling a lot trying to deal with some of that right now. Well, Steve, you've seen in me when I'm at my strongest and you've also seen me when I'm just crashing and burning. When, when do you think that I find you're talking about boundaries uh, and you're also talking about, you know, who, you know, my identity and my boundaries, those two things are so important and it goes along that, and that goes into our purpose. And then, and, and how we deal with that is going to be reflected in how much we struggle in our daily life and how, how much success, I don't mean dollars, but peace joy uh when do you when do you think i am on my on my game the best when we put boundaries into place to protect our identity it goes back to that illustration of taking our thoughts captive and make it obedient to the truth while you're faith-based if we say i'm not enough then we're creating a god's image and you're saying that god's not enough 
Uh, that's that is interesting. Yeah, that does happen. So we we are enough, and we have to believe it. You know, it goes back to that biblical illustration of uh, Peter walking on the water. People said, "Well, he didn't have faith." Yes, he did. He walked on water. But they say, "Well, what Jesus said, he had a little doubt." He right. He doubted in his ability to have the faith to walk on water because his focus shifted off of the positive to the negative of focusing on what the trouble was of the water. Right. And that's huge. So anxiety happens when we shift the focus off the positive to the negative and right, we when feed I, into that. When I, when my boundaries start to fall, when I, when I am not, first of all, there's going to be people in my life, your life and our listeners lives. There's going to be people in all of our lives that, do not absolutely will not show honor and respect to our boundaries. And that's the reason why we have to have them is well, at, at having them isn't enough. We mm -hmm. have to, we have to, we have to be, you know, big boys and big girls and show honor and respect to our own boundaries. But, but Keith, it goes deeper than that. Okay. And I'll oh, got, take us uh, there. Take it, take us there. We, we've got two minutes and I, I'll okay. have to keep this short when we we have to add attachment into this attachment also mean? attachment is like when a baby's born it attaches to its mother right mm -hmm. and, okay. and when a baby doesn't attach it has issues that's why we have reactive attachment disorder in a lot of the kids who are adopted and it goes into that play of sense of identity so to speak but when we have attachment issues we can attach ourselves to something that could be harmful, but it plays into our anxiety as well. Think about the monks and, and, and how some of these monks detach themselves from attachment. They have emotion because we're human beings and we're born with emotion, but we avoid a lot of things too, instead of, instead of accepting uh, what's there. And I, that's, I, so I got a question for you. I know we got just a minute left. So on that point, wow, we need to be careful about attaching to something negative. Does it help us to have a better sense of who we are by attaching to people who are have a positive affirmation of who we are? Keith, you're 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 a theologian here, and we're human beings and we do attach, but we have to be careful how we attach because people fail us, right? That's why right. some that's why some people don't want to go to church because they see they, they don't want to attach to God because it's like Gandhi said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians that are there. Ah, that's a challenge sometimes. Okay, right. And so the the we have to be careful how we attach. And we have to recognize what is healthy. How can you recognize what healthy is if you don't have boundaries? And if you don't have boundaries, how can you define who you are? Right. I know that's deep and we're out of time. And maybe we can pick up the, some of this on the, on the next podcast and, and continue this conversation because it, it goes into man's identity. And that's what's been happening to our man, men today. We've lost our sense of identity and purpose. And I want to kind of go into our next podcast about man's purpose. So, Keith, I appreciate today, and uh, we'll catch up next time. Hey, it's good to see you, Steve. We'll do it soon. Thank God you. bless. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, 
Be safe and be kind. Thank you.